I'd like you to take your Bibles tonight and find the book of Ecclesiastes. The book of Ecclesiastes. Are you kidding me? Hey, Renee, could you do me a favor, sweetheart, and bring down my, 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 uh, my surface? Joe, you run up there and get it. What? I want the car on it. Yeah, that's it. Randy, you run up there? I'm sorry. Joe. That'll be work. She sleeps up there. It doesn't look good when I'm preaching. She's sleeping down here, so it's better if she just goes up there and sleeps. Awesome. Thank you, Brother Joe. Appreciate that. <laughs> Inquiring minds want to know. Amen, Miss uh, Ciela? That's how you learn things in life. You ask questions, all right? All right. We're glad you're here tonight. I'm having computer problems, but that's all right. My brain works sometimes. Let's pray. We'll ask God to bless the word tonight and uh, as we go through it and see what the Lord has for us. Now, Father, thank you we can be here this evening. Bless the word, bless the time, and, and thank you for the songs that have been sung and we've been encouraged and challenged by them. Now, Lord, as we look to this book, we pray again that your spirit will speak to us and give wisdom and help us to understand what you, the blessed spirit of God, is trying to say through Solomon as this man went through his quest looking for some answers in life and, and uh, all that he went through. We pray, dear God, that as we go through life, we would not be as solemn and foolish and, and waste the time and the, the blessings we have. Now speak to our hearts and bless in a special way, for we pray in Jesus' name, amen. This thing doesn't want to work for me half the time, but it's all right. Tonight we pick up our study in the book of Ecclesiastes in chapter number one. Now we went through this... Uh, uh, started last Sunday night. Now, what we've learned from Solomon, again, it's, it's looking at life. As an older man, he's looking at life and what is the purpose to life and life with no God. And if, and if you fail to understand who it's written to and, and, and the, the theme of it, you'll, you'll, you'll look at this book and you'll think, well, boy, Solomon really says that life stinks. And, and he does say that, but he says life is not good if there's no God. If you have no God in your life, then uh, what purpose are, is all of this? And so it's life under the sun, S-U-N, without the S-O-N. And so life without God. And, and so that's what he's coming at. So don't ever forget the, the purpose of this book and how he writes it. Because you'll come away with some bad ideas, depressing ideas, and false theology if you... If you looking at what Solomon has to say in this book. Now, we, we, we found out who wrote it, what he has to say, and, and we see in verse number 5, he, he begins to talk about uh, how he sees nothing but vanity. And the word vanity means it's empty, it's a waste of time. Oftentimes in life we may do something, we say, no, this is a waste of my time. I remember years ago we watched a comedy, and my mom was there, and, uh, and we were all cracking up laughing. We enjoyed the movie. And at the end of the movie, my mom said, well, that was a waste of two hours of my life. She didn't enjoy the comedy. <laughs> she said, there's two hours. I'm never, ever getting back again. 
And uh, sometimes we may think that about certain things in life, how we wasted our time. And my friend, a life lived without God is a person really just wasting their time because there's really nothing at the end of it. To what end is it? I've never been skydiving. I've never even contemplating skydiving. It's just not something that I want to jump out of a perfectly good airplane and fall through the air. But in, in some sense, it does look exhilarating and exciting to fall through the air like that and just you know, be free like that. But, uh, but think about it for a minute. Jumping out of that plane and falling through the air and just floating around and watching things and doing flips, it, it, it's all fun and games until you realize you don't have a parachute. What's, what's the end of it? Well, it's not going to be good. The end is not good. And most people are going through life, and they're going through life without God. And what's the end of it? Where is this taking me? To what purpose is all that I have done? Because, again, it's, you're not going to be remembered as Solomon is going to teach us. He says in verse 5, The sun also ariseth, and the sun goeth down, and hasteth to his place where he arose. The wind goeth towards the south, and turneth about going to the north, and it whirleth about continually, and the wind returneth again according to his circuits. Solomon again here is looking in at things. And, and my friend, every day, living here, the sun comes up in the east over New York City. And every night, it sets behind us in that direction every day every day every day every day long before this building ever stood here the sun was going through its course and while this building has stood here it's gone through its course and while if, when someday when this building is gone the sun will go through its course it just continues on this monotonous cycle he talks about the path of the wind and how the wind, what it does, what it does, how it, uh, it just continues to blow around. And, and, and Solomon, again, looks at this and sees that, you know, this is just, to what end? It's just meaningless and purposeless. I mean, I think it was in the 80s, Halley's Comet blew past us. And I forget where we were supposed to see where we could best see Halley's Comet from this area. And I didn't bother to look at it. I look back now and think, maybe I should have taken a peek at that thing. But I always thought, you know, if I miss it, I'll, I'll see it from the the topside view and what it does when I get to glory one day. But Halley's Comet just does what it does, and every 75 years it comes swinging past here and then goes out and scoops around, and, and somewhere in outer space right now, Halley's Comet is burning through the, uh, the universe, and, and it's going to come back here uh, when I'm gone. I won't see it again the second time it comes around here, but it's, come, it's been doing that. Who knows how long Mr. Halley discovered that comet and what it does, but it's just a monotonous circle. It goes around this monotonous circle over and over. He talks about all that. He talks about the rivers. Again, I'm kind of going through these very quickly because I want to get to my main point. How all the rivers run to the sea, yet the sea is not full into the place where once the rivers come and whither they run again. Again, rivers, it was the quest of men. Where does the Mississippi River start? Where is the beginning of the Mississippi? You can take the Mississippi, follow it all the way up, and you find this tiny little stream as the mountains and all come together and, and they flow down and, and make the mighty Mississippi, which flows us all the way, cuts its way through the United States, and then flows down into the Gulf. And yet the Mississippi keeps flowing and flowing and flowing, and the ocean is not full, it's just continuous circle of water flowing around, and it's just this monotonous circle. You can sit on the beach and relax and say, boy, this is relaxing, and watch the surf come in. And I often think as I'm sitting there on the beach watching, that, watching the, 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 the surf come in and watching the water, I said, you know, this is, this is what it does every day, all day long, 
for the previous 6,000 years, the, the oceans have just done this. And millions upon millions of people have sat where I have sat and watched this ocean. They're all gone. And someday I'll be gone. And somebody else will sit here and they'll watch the surf come in and out. And what to, to what end is that? It's just continually beating on the shoreline and, 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 and doing what it's doing. It's monotonous. And to what purpose is it? And again, I'm not trying to depress us tonight, but I'm showing what Solomon has to say here. But once again, we, we, we will say that the rivers without Jesus Christ are indeed empty of meaning. When we do not have Christ, there's no meaning to any of these things. They, they are only seen as duplicating their experiences over and over and over again to no purpose at all. We were at Niagara Falls. We've been there a couple of times. My, uh, we, we've talked about going back again. It's beautiful up there. We enjoyed the, the falls. But, you know, you sit up there and you hear that water. And it, and, and it never stops. The sound of that water is continual 24-7, just flowing and flowing and flowing. You, you, you would think that maybe the, the Great Lake would empty out after all that constant flowing, but it, just, it doesn't. just keeps going. It's a monotonous flow of things. And so that's what he's looking at. He talks about not only creation, but he talks about the... the what we do in life. He says, verse number 8, All things are full of labor. Man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with, that, with seeing, nor is the ear filled with hearing. Nothing satisfies. I, th I forget whose product it is, but it's, they used to say it really satisfies. I don't know if that was Coca-Cola. I forget whose product satisfies. Was it Coca-Cola? It really satisfies. Maybe I'm wrong. You can yell it out if you know the product. But you know, what did Jesus tell the woman at the well? He said, if you drink of this water, you'll do what? You'll thirst again. You'll have to drink it tomorrow. And what he's saying, you know, lady, you're going to be back here tomorrow. And then the day after. And the day after. Continually going for your water. We've all been thirsty. And said, I can't wait. And we drink something. Now I'm satisfied. Only an hour or two later, I'm thirsty again. It's this continual cycle of things going on that nothing satisfies. Nothing is different. Look at verse number 9. These things that have been, it is that which shall be, and that which is done, and that which shall be done, and there is nothing new under the sun. My friend, always remember that verse. There's nothing new under the sun. Anytime somebody says, I got a new idea, a new thought, something, no. There's nothing new. Years ago, we went to a buffet and I'm standing there in line. There's kids in front of me. I was trying to get a drink of soda. And they had that soda fountain. And there's a group of kids. And one kid turned and goes, Mister, my friend and I, we invented something new. And we're going to show you. I said, show me. I'm excited. And so he took his glass. And he went from, to each machine. We're making this drink. This is, this is our idea. <laughs> I didn't have the heart to tell that kid that... Every kid, since the invention of soda fountains, has done that. But this five-year-old was excited about his, we used to call them suicide drinks, because you just, everything that you could possibly, and all that sugar, just drink it down and go back. But he was excited because he had something new. Again, God bless your son, that's wonderful, enjoy it. I didn't have the heart to tell him, listen, Junior, it's been done. It's been done. People say, Pastor, I got a new idea. No, you don't. <laughs> it's new to you, but it's not new. It's been done. It's been done. 
Nothing new under the sun. And again, we think about that, and we're like, well, well, sure, there's nothing. We built skyscrapers. Well, they built buildings before. Maybe not skyscrapers, but they built buildings. Everything's been done. There's nothing new that man hasn't done. New ways to commit crime, new ways to launder money, new ways to be a blessing and an encouragement. No matter what it is, there's nothing new. And so Psalm is looking at things, again, everything is vanity. It doesn't satisfy. There's no satisfaction in these things because it's already been done. He talks about us. Verse number 11, there is no remembrance of the former things, neither shall there be any remembrance of the things that are to come. Even those things shall come after me. There is no remembrance of former things. I have a sermon. Crystal's heard this sermon. I've preached in a college chapel usually. And... Uh, I have a relative buried in Arlington Cemetery here in town. Now, he died in 1920s. And, uh, and on his tombstone, it says, gone, but not forgotten. Can I let you know something? He's gone, and he is forgotten. <laughs> He's forgotten. Now, life's a funny thing. We have two parents, and then we have four grandparents, and then we have eight great-grandparents, and then we go back to 16 great-great-grandparents. And that's really relatively within 100-year time frame. If, everything we, if we put it all on a 25-year thing, really that's all in a 100-year span of, of these people all walked planet Earth. But if I was to ask you, please tell me your, on your mother's side your great-great-grandmother's maiden name or what school she went to. When did she fall in love? How did they meet? Or pick out any of those people. Relatively, we know very few things about those people, and sometimes next to nothing about the people that are just 100 years removed from us. Or maybe they even died 50 years ago. And we know next to nothing. Unless you've studied your ancestry, or you really know nothing. You know, I think my great-grandmother's name was, uh, and, and, and I think she was from, and, 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 and I forget, but may, that was not kind of sad. And, and, and then now you fast forward 100 years from now. Let me discourage you. Who's going to remember you? <laughs> Do you think, don't be so proud to think that your great-great-grandchildren are going to say, I remember him, or I know a lot. Because they're going to do what you did. Be busy with life. And not be worrying so much about the past and who was before me. They're worrying about, i got to get now. i got to deal with now. And don't even forget about your ancestors 200 years ago. And by the way, you take any of those people out of the equation, those 16 to 8 to 4 to 2, you remove one of those people and you cease to exist. One of them comes out of the equation anywhere and there you cease to exist. So they, they're very important to you because without them you wouldn't be here. But you don't know anything about them. I really don't. I, again, I know more than I, other people because when I had my hip replaced, that's all I did for a month and a half is study my ancestry. You had to do something to keep your mind occupied because TV will rot your brain. And so I just was on the computer all day long healing and doing ancestry, which I was in, 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 engrossed in as I was studying all kinds of things and get, gathering information about people and where I came from. But Psalm was like, you know, there's no remembrance of the former things. People say, we're going to try something new. We're going to do this. It's never been done. And you forget that this, your idea failed 3,000 times prior to this. That's how it is. 
And so again, the as Solomon goes through this, again, people, every president has their museum. They die or they leave office and they build the presidential museum. My wife and I have been to several museums. I think we've been to Woodrow Wilson's museum. I'm trying to think who else's museum we've been to, presidential library. Just a few. But again, they build these things so people remember them. You can always tell the narcissist on how big their gravestone is. They build these large mausoleums, these large, massive gravestones. And so, and, and listen, a hundred years from now, people are going to walk through, who's this guy? I don't know. No, it doesn't, no, it doesn't, doesn't matter. And uh, because it, it doesn't matter. But they put these stones, and hopefully somebody re- will remember them. They build large mausoleums dedicated themselves. And in Arlington Cemetery, there's mausoleums down there and that they've built, and, and they're all falling apart, and there's people in there. Nobody knows who they are. The, uh, the families cannot be found. I know one grave was, was robbed many years ago, and uh, they tried to locate the ancestors of somebody who might be related to those people who owned that mausoleum, and they couldn't find any relatives anywhere. Gone and forgotten. So again, Solomon's making this case. All these things. He talks again about the vexation of spirit in verses 12 through 18. And twice in this section, he talks about vexation of spirit. And what is vexation of spirit? Again, it's just something that what, when we use the word vex, this is vexing me. What does that mean? This is troubling me. It's disturbing me. It's tiresome. It's wearing me out. And Solomon looks at life and everything is just, it's, it's just, it's wearing me out. It's true of a lot of people that when they get older, they, they grow tired. They grow tired. And, they, they're, they're, and they're looking to die because they've grown tired. And when we have life without Jesus Christ, we can grow tired of this life because, again, there's nothing new and, and we're watching somebody younger behind us doing something and, and thinking, wow, they, they're excited about that, and, but it's already been done. It's already been done. Verse 12, he says, I, the preacher, was king over uh, Israel and Jerusalem, and I gave my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom concerning all things that are done under heaven, this sore travail that God hath given to the Son of Man to be exercised therewith. I have seen all the works that are done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. That which is crooked cannot be made straight, and that which is wanting cannot be numbered. So again, Solomon again, gave his heart to know all these things, and at the end of it, uh, his dedication in pursuing wisdom about the things of earth Solomon at the end says it's a, it was nothing but sore travail and, and it vexed his spirit. And Solomon had the money and he had the time and he's going to go on a search looking for meaning in everything. Is this going to bring me joy? Is this going to bring me happiness in life? And he says that which is crooked cannot be made straight. How vexing to the spirit that you're not able to correct a problem. We all want to fix problems. And every four years we elect somebody who says they're going to fix the problem. And yet, is anything ever really fixed? No. <laughs> no. You know, by the way, I, I, you know, I can see we, we want to vote somebody new. Maybe they got something fresh and, they, and we'll do, do a different approach. But when you keep voting for the same people over and over and you keep staying in the sewer, and, and then something about your mentality Maybe we ought to switch this thing up a little bit. 
because nothing's getting better around here. That which is crooked cannot be made straight. I knew a, a pastor had his church van was T-boned. And so what he did is he, the, the frame was bent. And so he took that church van and he basically used what is called come-alongs and he tried to bend the frame back. Now listen, my friend, there's no such thing as bending a frame back straight. It, you, you got a frame that was going like this. Now it, and now it looks like a, you know, a, an old crooked hot dog. It's just, it's just, and, uh, and so it's just, it, no, you didn't straighten it out. You may have, it's not bending left or right anymore, but it's, it's, now it's, it's like a piece of spaghetti laying on a plate. It's, but you didn't straighten it out. So Solomon's letting us know some things here. And again, don't get depressed by this because we're looking at it from a different angle. Solomon's looking at a life as there's no God. To we're on the other side watching Solomon's efforts. We already got the answer. And no, this, no, the life has purpose. Life has meaning. And again, in, in verse 18, he tells us, For in much wisdom is much grief, and, and he that increases knowledge increases sorrow. The Bible says that the wisdom of this world is what with God? Foolishness. Foolishness. Again, this is the wisdom of this text, not the wisdom that God has. Solomon's looking at the wisdom of man. And man, my friend, I guess the smartest men who ever lived, whoever they may be, and whatever they may have accomplished, it's still foolishness with God. And the more wisdom we do have, the more vexation and trouble of spirit, because we realize this is not really going to fix this problem. It's not going to fix it. We find in Jesus Christ that uh, in Him, in, in, the Bible says in Colossians, says, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. When we have Christ wisdom, it's a different wisdom. That's why the world is, and the, the atheists and the men without God are, are depressed and, and see nothing of vanity, but we look at it and we have the wisdom of God on our side. Again, some people, uh, life may become monotonous, it becomes meaningless but it doesn't have to be for the christian believer life is an open door and it's not a closed circle just going round and round and round no we have a purpose we we're going somewhere with this we're accomplishing something in this we we have meaning to what we're doing that the world and and the lost man does not have because they're going to build their empires and what happens after they're dead? Their empires will be taken over and torn down and they'll be forgotten about. In Egypt, and I, and I, I find fascinating Egyptology. I, I find the study of the pharaohs a fascinating thing. And they've unearthed and found some of those, those mummies over there and, uh, and we can see their graves and all that they did. And they, they've told us that they've only found a small percentage of, 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 of the wealth and understanding of those former pharaohs. They're still somewhere under that desert sand out there. They're forgotten. The kingdoms they built are forgotten. They're all gone. Because again, they're pagan sun worshipers, S-U-N worshipers. So again, Solomon, Solomon in, in this book, he's going to play many 
part. He's going to play the scientist. And, and he's going to tell us again, as a scientist, it's, the world is a closed system. Nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. Here we are, if we believe the Bible 6,000 years later, if we believe man, it's millions of years. And, and what happens? Man is still trying to kill each other and, and, and destroy each other. Nothing changes. Whether it's Genghis Khan or, or, or some other tyrannical nut job trying to do something, we got our nut jobs today trying to. And, and for what? What is your power grab all about? It is said of Alexander the Great, whether it's true or not, nobody really knows, but at 33, Alexander sat down and wept because he said there are no more worlds to conquer, and he eventually died. Alexander the Great. What the, there's, nothing, there's no purpose to this. I, I, there's nothing else to conquer. What am I going to do? Life's meaningless. It's empty. That's what he said. That's really what he was saying. Solomon is the historian. And as a historian, he tells us that life is a closed book. There's nothing new. There's nothing new. The philosopher, Solomon the philosopher, tells us that life is a deep problem and that nothing is understood. But with Jesus Christ, he's the power of God and he's the wisdom of God. And again, he has miraculously broken into history and he brings new life to all those who trust in him. God has entered into our realm and he's changed this monotonous circle of emptiness and given purpose and meaning to it. Now we all have our jobs. And listen, I've had my jobs. Years ago, I installed boilers. I stood back and said, I installed this. We had a very big job in Patterson many years ago. We did it from scratch. We installed the boiler. We ran new pipings. We did all this. And looking at blueprints, we, and we installed this uh, amazing system for heating glue. Its purpose was to heat glue. And, and we was, I stood back and said, I, we did this. I did this. I put this all together. How awesome is this? Well, I went to that factory 20 years later. You know what happened to my boiler? They tore it out and put another one in. You got rid of my boiler. I worked hard on that. I spent weeks putting that thing in. And now you tore it out. You guys are, oh, man. What, isn't that life, though? That's what Solomon's saying. So, you know, you're going to put it in, but somebody else is going to tear it out. You're going to look at your kitchen and go, oh, it's so beautiful, decorated. And someday somebody's going to come in and look at this thing. And, 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 and <laughs> somebody's gonna, some person who's going to buy your house and go, what was this person thinking? And, and repaint the place. Don't tell me you haven't walked into a house and said, you know, woof. But they're like, what do you think? And you go, it's wonderful. Pack of liars. Solomon was the wisest man to ever live, but shamefully and tragically, he, he meets the qualifications of the foolish man. Look at Luke chapter number 12. Luke chapter number 12. This is where Solomon is in his life. And again, Solomon's in a bad place because of sin in his life and, and, and all that he's allowed to creep into his heart. Be careful what you allow to creep into your heart. It, it, it's important to guard your heart, the Bible says. Guard it. This is Solomon, and this is, Jesus Christ is basically repeating Ecclesiastes in this parable, if you want to think about it. In Luke 12, verse 16, And he, and he spake a parable that, a certain, that the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentiful, and he thought with himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, This will I do, I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there shall will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. 
And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much good laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night shall be, be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasures for himself and is not rich towards God. Again, that's a thousand sermons in there right now. But we see that man. And again, there's nothing wrong with growing plenty of food. There's nothing wrong with building barns and putting food in them and storing them up. There's nothing wrong with even saying, take thy knees, eat, drink, and be merry, and enjoy what you've done. There's nothing wrong with any of that. The problem with this man is that this man never included God in any of his equations. God was never in there. And at the end of the day, when we have all of those things and God's not in there, someday, and someday for all of us, God's going to say, you know what, tonight your soul is required of thee. It's time to go. Isaiah was sent and told to tell the king Hezekiah, get thy house in order because you're going to die. Nobody wants to be told that. We don't want to hear that. But my friend, it is the inevitable fate of all men to hear those words one day in one way, shape, form or another. I'm sorry, there's nothing more we can do. We don't want to hear it. We don't like to talk about it. But, and if we have God, we can say, well, I really don't want to leave earth yet, but whatever God wants... And let his will be done. This man did not have God, and God called him a fool. And he's basically saying, now what's going to happen to all the things that you have? Where's your property going to go? Who's going to get all the things that you have? You spent your whole life building this, and now you're going to die, and who gets it all? And again, relatives come out of the woodwork when you come into money. Or you're dying. All of a sudden, you know, there's a will. We say there's a relative. And so they'll, they'll find you. They'll, 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 they'll look. They'll, oh, Uncle Charlie died. Did you know Uncle Charlie? No. I heard he had money, though. Again, I, I told the story before. There was a guy in town here. He died. He owned two pieces of property. And uh, his house was a disaster. It was a big house. But he, he lived like he was poor as anything. I mean, he ate canned oysters. His basement was filled with, like, hundreds of canned of empty cans of oysters. He just wouldn't throw them out. And I, and I walked on the second floor, and his bedroom was the indent where he laid in that, in that mattress, and, and, his, and the sheets hadn't been changed in years where you can see his sweaty imprint in the mattress. Now I'm thinking, this boy, boy got nothing. Well, he, no, he did. He was the, the, the Howard Hughes of Carney. He, he had money. And when he died, they're searching everywhere trying to find a relative. Who, do, who can we give the money to? And finally they found some cousin, now some second cousin 300 times removed out in Ohio. <laughs> you know, that's true, the true story. And, uh, and they, and that poor, oh no, cousin, cousin Hubert's gone? Oh, uh, who? And give me the money. And now what happened? To what end? To what end? To what end? I have... Had a, they had a guy come in was selling everything in the house. Big, giant house sale. And uh, I have one thing. I have two things in my office from that house. I said, this is pretty cool. And the guy goes, I'll take it. I said, this is pretty cool. He goes, I'll take that too. In fact, I got four things from that house. Two I gave to my father-in-law and two I kept for myself. Nothing worth anything. But uh, I just said, this is, this is a pretty cool looking item. So his property it sits in my office. And I can show him to you and say, this is... Mr. So-and-so's that sat in his house. My friend, it plays out in verse number 20. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? 
Who's getting them? Well, I got it. <laughs> I got one. And off it goes around the world. To what end is that? It's a waste of time. There's no God. There's no God. Now again, when Solomon knew about eternity, he knew there was God, but he's living life in a, in a, in a way now where he's in a bad, backslidden state, and he's looking at, looking at this life uh, with, the, with the horizontal. Just the horizontal. He never has the vertical in view. And my friend, whenever we look at this life, keep the horizontal and keep the vertical. You know, your fabric that you have, the Bible calls it the warp and the woof. The warp and the, in the Leviticus, the warp and the woof. You know what the warp and the woof is? Now, I forget which one is which, but one of them is the vertical threads and the other are the horizontal threads. Can you have clothes with just all warp? Can you have clothes with all woof? You have to have the warp and the woof where they are intertwined, holding it all together. And if we just have a horizontal view, it's going to fall apart. But when we have the vertical view, God is involved in all of this, and my life has purpose, then it holds this all together. It makes it purposeful. And so again, there's a, a great sermon on that topic of the warp and the woof. of our life does not have God, and we're all warp and no woof, or, and vice versa, it's, it's got to have both. Jesus told us in Matthew's gospel, he said, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through and steal. If we spend our lives working only for the things of this life, like Solomon, we leave them behind, and all the things. Listen, Solomon, everything he had was made of gold. Everything. Even his throne, an ivory throne overlaid with gold. Can I ask you, where is all of Solomon's gold today? Where is the gold of Solomon's temple that, 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 that he built for the glory of God? Where is all of that? It's gone. It's gone. Dispersed. Bible tells us, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love which ye have showed towards his name and that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. You see, when we minister, we work hard down here, even when people don't appreciate it, even when people spit on it, even when people will spit in our face, it's God saying, i seen what you did. I saw that. Don't worry. No, it's not appreciated down here. I saw it. And there's a reward over here on this side for it. Don't worry. Just keep doing what you're doing. I'm keeping the books. The world's going to forget about you, but I'm not going to forget about you. They, they won't know who you are in a hundred years when they walk past your gravestone, but I will know who you are because you'll be with me. So then life has purpose. Life has meaning. It's not vanity and vexation of spirit because God is part of the equation. Paul says, for me to live is Christ. To die is gain. That goes with what Solomon's saying. Solomon's saying, life is nothing. And Paul says, to me to live is Christ. I'm living for Christ, which gives me purpose. It gives me meaning. And if I die, then I'm gaining. And Solomon in his book says, if I die, I'm just going to the ground and I'm, and I'm food for the worms. Nothing there. But Paul says, no, I, it's gain. 
If I live here, it's great because I get to live for Jesus and do something. And if I die, then I go to be with Jesus. It's a, it's a win-win. I can't lose in this thing. And everybody thinks, oh, it's hard down here. Well, that's not Bible. He says, I am ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them that also love his appearing. Paul says, I've finished my course. Records are a wonderful thing. People set records. And it's said that records are made to be broken. Somebody comes along and, and boy, I, I broke, I had this, I'm the first person ever and I hold the record for doing this. And then here comes somebody else, right past you. And your record is forgotten about. And if you're a woman, you got some man in a dress swimming past you in the, in the pool, breaking all your records or doing anything else because the world's lost its mind out there with those nut jobs. And so records get broken. And boy, I think, do you really think a, a 500 years from now, nope, they're going to be talking about Babe Ruth. Honestly, do you think they're going to be talking about Babe Ruth 500 years from now? No. No, they're not. They're, this doesn't matter. We enjoy it now. Baseball is a fun thing, not, but not if you root for the teams I root for. But it's a fun thing. But again, it, it, it gives you joy because this is just enjoyment, but I have God in mind. People get depressed because their teams are so stinky. Well, if that's all you got, then I guess, but you know, my team stinks, but I have Jesus, and he doesn't. And those who spend their lives laboring for the things of eternal face, uh, and what eternity and, and what God has there have a different view than what Solomon had. The Bible says, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord, for they rest from their labors, and their works do what? Follow them. Solomon says his works stay here and are forgotten. But God says when we do for God, our works follow us. Hey, it's not in waste my time. Listen, I've been here for 41 years as a church member, youth pastor, assistant pastor, grass cutter, and now pastor. And, and listen, someday I won't be here. I don't know when that day will come, but someday I won't be here. My friend, and people will forget about me. Oh, no, no one's going to forget you. Really, who was the pastor here in 1923? Who was he? How about 1930? Who was he? Uh, pastor Downs, he's been here. Him and Washington were friends. They crossed the Delaware together. All right? <laughs> and uh, he'll tell you that story later on about pushing the, 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 the ice out of the way. And uh, who were they? I don't know. Even I don't know because I can't find the records. So you think 100 years from now somebody's going to say, Pastor Matt Swikow. No. I have no visions of grandeur. I'm looking. For, it's on the other side. It's on the other side. And so I've done, I'm going to put all my life in here. And maybe I'll get, I'm doing 41 now, maybe it'll be 51. Maybe I'll make 61 years here. But again, at the end of the day, I will be forgotten. And so will you. And so will you. But my works are not here. My works and your works are following me. I'm taking them to the other side with me. And that's what we're doing here. So life is not meaningless. And life is not a waste of time. The spiritual vineyard we have planted, we live, will continue to produce. And by the way, when we reach people for Jesus Christ, we're reaching another generation that can go forward. So serving Christ is not a waste of time. But listen, 
I've tried to reach people with the gospel of all ages and of all types because it's important that they, when I leave, that it goes forward with somebody else. And the only reason we're here is because somebody behind us did that. Somebody spread the gospel before we showed up. So somebody told my mother, and my mother told me, and then my wife and I told our kids, and now my kids are telling their, their children, next generation, it's following us. It follows us. It's not, not a waste of time. So again, when we look at Solomon, understand where he's coming from and realize just how waste of, of a life it is without God. But with God, no, no, life's, life, life has purpose now it never had before. It's got meaning to it now. There's, a, there's an end to this thing, and it's going to be glorious. Let's stand together for prayer. Father, we do love you. We do thank you for Jesus Christ who died on Calvary's cross to pay for our sins and the gift we have and this joy in this life. Now, Father, again, we pray that you'll help us and encourage us as we go forward. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Maybe God spoke to your heart tonight. Would you come forward, find a place here?